0: You stumbled into that leadership position. You had a big vision, big ideas, but it hasn't gone quite as you planned. You're in the right place. Welcome to the Accidental Leader Podcast with your accidental leader, Bo McDonald. Welcome into episode number 10 of The Accidental Leader. I'm your host and fellow accidental leader, Bo McDonald. Today, a very special episode, as they all are, but very special today because I've got my very own leadership and business coach, Mary Jane Walsh, joining me on the podcast. It's going to be a, a moment of, oh gosh, that V word, that V word vulnerability for me as I share my own leadership journey over the last few years, all in hopes to show you that that change is possible if, if you invest in yourself, if, if you work on it, if you want it. It's not easy, but with accountability, some hard work, change is indeed possible. Three, two, one. For more resources and to listen to past Accidental Leader podcast episodes, visit theaccidentalleader.com. Courtesy of our sponsors, your marketing company, and Uncommon. Mary Jane, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you. I'm so glad to have be you here, Bo.
0: Yeah. So, before we get into my story and walk through the the journey that you've taken with me over the last few years, I want to talk about what you do. You're you're a leadership coach, a life coach, a business coach. I want to start with the life part first cuz I truly believe that to be a great leader, you first have to lead yourself. And that means focusing on yourself as a person, your own root system as a leader, your own traumas, everything that makes you who you are, and, and everything that that makes you the decision maker you are and why you see so just so you can understand yourself better. Before you can change, you've got to understand what you need to change. And that comes from gaining perspective. Talk us through that kind of journey from the first moment you work with someone. What do you do as a life coach? What does that mean for a leader?
1: Interestingly enough, I believe that the way that I coach people is often similar to the way I'm looking for support for myself. So what I'm tracking when I meet with someone is, are they, well, for first, are they looking for a strategy or are they looking for support? Where are, they, where are they struggling in the gap between what they're looking for and the results they're actually able to achieve? Where's the problem? And then also, I'm looking for what they're not saying, what they may not be able to put their finger on, but they're not able to communicate. And then I'm also watching them and tracking them, which sounds a little bit odd, but many people I work with, and this has been true from my own experience, have trauma, right? That has affected them, that's coded into their brain that uh, they bring into adulthood. And I'm watching to see their congruency between what they say and what they're actually believing is the truth, which is a little bit interesting. And I learned it through my own kind of healing, but it's helpful for me to identify how I can help a person move to where they need to be.
0: Now I see before we hit record on this podcast, you said, Oh, your video's off. Now I see why you're, you're trying to, okay, I got you. I see that. that. So I feel like the word life coach is been ruined by so many of the, the money-hungry self-help gurus that they they just want to go make a buck. So they throw that label on themselves. Same thing happens in in marketing too. You don't need a degree in it. You can just say, I'm a marketer and, and go do it. it. It really gives a bad name to those who are really good at it, like, like me and you. But I feel like the real benefit you bring to me and others is, is perspective. You do ask the hard questions. You, you've made me think of things from a, a very different perspective. It's no different than the, the reason my clients hire me at the marketing firm. They're not dumb. They could do it alone. But when another expert can bring in an outside perspective to the table, there's a huge benefit there. Tell us about the, the process you go through on helping clients gain that perspective because that's so important to me.
1: When I am working with someone initially, I, I am looking at, in terms of perspective, where they're trying to go and then what particular assets they have, and then also what particular stories they are telling themselves that are blocking them from getting there. And so um, when I think about that process of helping someone, I'm thinking about like, what is the inner story that they're telling themselves that is blocking them from either getting this result, moving through some sort of paralysis, or taking an uncomfortable action that there is kind of fear, overwhelm, or anxiety about. So um, I'm thinking about the questions. And it's actually interesting because sometimes I encounter other people who are interested in doing coaching and we talk about clients and I share them, you know, some of the clients I work with, and they're very curious if I'm completely knowledgeable about the industry. And in fact, I work with people across several different industries and I'm not the most knowledgeable about that industry, whether it's wealth management or marketing or CPA firms. However... Uh, what I'm actually looking at is identifying the question rather than providing the answer to the client. So my job is to ask them a question they're not thinking about. Usually the client is the expert on the industry, and actually the client is the expert on themselves. So they will let me know either through what they say or their body language, where the gap is, where the block is, where they're struggling, and then I'll know um a little bit more intuitively how to ask a question about that
0: so if you're listening to this podcast you're probably interested in investing in yourself and in growing so this question wouldn't necessarily be applicable to the the listeners of this podcast but what is the mindset you have to have before you you make this kind of investment in in someone like yourself so i feel like someone could sit there and say i want to change but they get to you and then your job is miserable cuz they don't really want to change Tell me what that that is like. What is that mindset you have to have before you make that investment?
1: You have to be able to tolerate discomfort. So, firstly, uh, I have worked with several people who will say, "You should work with my brother," "You should work with my assistant," or "You should work with my CFO." And I tell people, really, it's not coaching is not for people who need it; it's for people who want it because I need an equal investment from my client of being willing to do the work, and the work is being able to tolerate the discomfort, because that's the thing that they're going to have to manage as they move through the change. Everything in their nervous system is telling them do the thing that they've always done. And I will likely give them a question that makes them uncomfortable, ask them to take an action, uh, mirror something that they are doing uh, that may be blocking their own ability to achieve the results they're looking for. And it creates discomfort. So I i do a good job of i feel creating trust in the session so that my client knows that i am kind of in the arena with them and i'm advocating for them but i also tell my clients that the you know person who tolerates the most discomfort has the most growth and that's really what it's about like coaching and change changing doesn't happen just through ease like you have to go through some of the very difficult actions to achieve the outcomes you would like. And sometimes it's just kind of an inward inner awareness that you've been avoiding about yourself or an excuse you're making internally. And I will show, I will highlight that. Um, So the client has to take ownership of that mirroring.
0: You know, it's funny is you started answering that question. I thought back to about 10 years when I hired my first coach and we were about three weeks in and I started thinking, gosh, you know who needs this? And I was ready to do exactly what you said, that <laughs> referral. And he said, you know what? Your problem is probably with you. You should lead yourself first. You should look to yourself. You're not going to change them. Change yourself and gain perspective on them. And I, mine, that was like a gut punch. I'm like, yeah, but they... they need." Uh, okay. You may be right. You may be right.
1: It's interesting. I know we're going to get more into team leadership. I, I can't Um, for someone to be willing. So I've learned that through clients. It's a different story with team. um, But willingness is something I can't give someone. I mean, there can be consequences if someone isn't willing. But willingness is something someone has to have in order to go through the uncomfortable actions. So yeah, it's all about being willing to do the hard work.
0: I always tell my clients kind of the same thing. When you hire a consultant, when you hire a coach, whatever it is, you have to be willing to make the changes, whatever that person says, Hey, I see your problem. Here's how we can get you there. I always equate it back to if you hire a personal trainer and you want to lose 50 pounds, you go to the gym two or three days a week, the personal trainer says, eat this, stop eating what you've been eating, have this salad, whatever it is. And you go home every night, you have a dozen donuts, a two liter bottle of Coke and a, a full <laughs> Domino's pizza. And you come in and you, you raise hell with the coach and say, it's it's not working. I'm not losing weight. Of course it's not. I'm telling you what you should do and you're not doing it. It's, it's not going to happen just by wanting it or just walking into the gym two or three days a week. And with that, it's tough. It, it's a tough process. I want to talk about my journey over the last few years. I've had the benefit of, of working with you in a coach prior as well, but you often have to hit pause in some of our conversations and ask me to reflect back a few years to, to a conversation we had and, and you kind of walk me through the change. If you were to describe me Four years ago, and we started working together to today. What has changed?
1: I've actually reflected on this a bit. And all right, I'm going to get, I'm, I'm going to go deep. All right, Bo.
0: <laughs> I said nothing is off limits. What, whatever we can say here that will help someone, go for it.
1: Less guarded, more open, more receptive to feedback, aware of a much more kind of a holistic, encompassing version of yourself, less reactive more time between some sort of um, input and like a, a pause and your capacity to respond rather than react. Um, also, you know, you and I have shared, we've talked you know, with you about kind of how you grew up and your childhood, which is some of the questions that uh, come up in my coaching work, because I'm looking for kind of that historical trigger or what was the pers- historical experience that planted seeds for some of the fear, worry, anxiety, stress, overwhelm, Perfectionism that happens in my clients. And I think there has been a separation between some of the older stories that you've experienced, you know, in childhood that really pushed you to achieve, I believe, the success that you've achieved at at such a young age through being able to kind of just push forward and be incredibly persistent and keep iterating to make sure you have a great product for your clients in lots of different areas and, a, and great support and all the things you've created in your company. But that comes with kind of a cost of this unbelievable drive, right? And usually that's from a place of woundedness or a place of like trying to get away from something that has happened in earlier years. And so I believe there what I've seen probably about a year and a half two years ago was an uncoupling of that prior story to now and you know now when I think about your life and our, our conversations that we have um there's so much choice and joy and um time i would say fulfillment of course, when we connected that your your company was growing and there was success but now there's this like added side of the fulfillment aspect of it where you know when we've had conversations at the at the end of 2022, looking at 2023 and what we want more of, or what you would like to see more of, it's kind of like more of what you already have, which is a beautiful thing. Interestingly enough, though, I did give you a battery of questions to answer at the top of 2023, looking out at, at um, the year. And there was a sense of like these questions are kind of easy to answer and maybe there's some complacency. So um, sometimes, you know, uh, or I imagine some of the work we will do, will be looking at your vision and your vision for your company and how you all are growing. And I know you are already doing a lot of those things, but whenever we are growing something, it requires us to be a, a bigger, better version of ourselves, a more tuned version of ourselves, because we're continuing to face some of the things that hold us back. So, I've also seen um, changes in you, including that include just reflected in your team. Team, your team being becoming and being incredible leaders, and you holding them to that standard. Another area that I've seen that has been a shift is um, you really trusting your leadership team to to, to manage their um, their KRAs and their KPIs and all of those things that they are you know performing in the company and their role. And there's been kind of a letting go, letting go of the control aspect, which many of us have when we have companies. I've seen you not only trust them, but guide them into those areas of leadership. And another area that I've seen in terms of your growth has been you helping your leaders become better leaders by watching them make some of your same mistakes or some of the same behaviors that you've had. And you'll, you'll task them with delegating to their team or asking for help and getting support or... Not doing things that are creating task saturation for them or, um, you know, keeping them complicit in uh, conditions, creating conditions that aren't serving them. And I've seen you really hold them to the standard of becoming stronger leaders, which has been, been amazing to see. And I've seen in your leadership team incredible growth over the last year. And also you set the example for everyone being accountable and responsible for their own root system and triggers and areas that where they might bring um, less desirable leadership behaviors to their role. And that there's always this focus on how can we be better? How can we be a better version of ourselves? Just that continuous focus on growth and improvement, which I think is awesome.
0: You make it sound so easy to sum it up in a 40-minute in a podcast. I, I want to talk about the process. But but first, I want, I want to backtrack on something you said, the stories. When, when you talk about Trauma in, in childhood, one of the things that that I I've just realized recently that when I first started this process, I had the stories in my mind. I had what I thought was the truth. So when you would ask questions, you know about about family issues or you know childhood, I would blurt this thing out because that's what I know to be true. But the more we've we've dug into that over the years, I realized that's my version of that. The more perspective I've gained, uncovering other things that that if we didn't uncover those, I don't think I would have made the progress that, that I would have made. I would have been stuck on that one story that that isn't necessarily true. And, and you you dig into that and realize, wait a minute, this one person that I thought is why I behave this way, it's not actually, I just I I didn't like that person or or I, I was holding that person accountable because I I like this other person better. And I feel like the the years that we've worked together, the more questions you ask and the more perspective I've gained, the truth comes out. And and the more you realize what's actually happened and, and where that's coming from, you can make bigger progress.
1: Yeah. It's interesting. One of my favorite questions to ask others, and this is a question that a woman I've worked with for several years asks me, she'll say, where are you being dishonest? And what she means by that is, where are you telling an old story? Where are you holding on to an old story that is no longer a part of your life? And the interesting thing is when we grow, we subconsciously take our old stories with us unless we're editing them and we are checking our perspective and seeing if our perspective about something has shifted. Do we actually feel that way about this person? Could we take responsibility for our part in a different way? Um, Was this person's behavior or a relationship with this particular client or this partnership that went south or whatever those things are? Was that a gift because of the amount of self-awareness it created so that now I have this whole new experience or new business or new relationship? So um the question, I love that of like, where am I holding on to an an old story that no longer fits the reality of who I am. So, yes, looking back at those stories and tracking, you know, where does this come from? Do I need to hold on to that? Am I being sort of subconsciously managed by an old script that is just how I was doing things? Or can there be a little bit more flexibility? And I can usually track if someone is letting go of an old story because their, um, their responses, they become a little bit more nimble and flexible. Usually when people are Kind of like pinned into old stories of who they are. there's a real rigidity, um, and there's a lot of rules in terms of, like to how people should behave or how they should behave, and it really blocks them from being as solution focused as they need to be, as creative as they need to be. So getting rid of those old stories can be extremely valuable in productivity, in free thinking, in expansion and growth and fun and fulfillment and adventure, all of those things.
0: So I want to go back and talk about the process because you made it sound really easy. You talked about all of these ways that I've changed over the years since we've been working together. And it wasn't like you just asked a question and I, I gained perspective and, and the lights turned on and the angels saying, and I was I was better. Everything was better. It's a, it's a long process. Talk about that, that process.
1: I think in the beginning, we were meeting more frequently than we are now. Um, but the process generally is I'll, I will hear certain patterns and I'll ask certain questions. And sometimes I'll ask, well, where does that come from? Or why do you feel this way? Or um, usually in the top of the session, I'll ask for kind of like, what is a current stress or feeling of overwhelm that you're having? And um, when I find out what those things are, we'll look at like, what what in your history informed that, like, where does that come from? Where does that belief about this person come from? And I might ask you, um, I'm just thinking about earlier, actually, Bo, I'm going to go a little bit specific here. Is that all right? All good. Okay. Um, So one of the things that I have learned about you probably two, two years ago, 18 months ago, um, was that one trigger for you. And it's actually a, a similar trigger for me is when someone Doesn't care, as someone who should be invested or seemingly invested, a team member or whatever, a partner, and um, not caring, not showing up, kind of like complacent and who cares? Um, And I remember, you know, looking into that with you around one incident um, that happened on your team, and um, it it was something that like happened, and I remember it being extremely frustrating for you that this was going on. And to me, on the outside, I was looking at, um, well, this person is clearly not to the standard of a team member who should be on your team, um, just in terms of the behavior and how they were kind of cavalier about their work and their commitment to the company. But it was extremely upsetting uh, that this person was behaving in this type of way. And um, I remember just realizing like, that is one deep trigger when, you know, you have so much investment in your team and I know you do invest in your team. And then there's, you know, someone who, is like really doesn't care. And so after I get to know someone after, you know, few different, I guess, several different sessions, and sometimes I can get to the heart of it at the right session, because a client who's willing is going to tell me what is the thing. And I want to what is the thing that's bothering them. And I'm looking at what's underneath it, what's causing that so I can create a behavior change for them. Um, Usually, it's a few different things, you know, everyone has a different blueprint, but it's a it's a few different historical triggers. And, and Usually, the situations are kind of leading back to those either historical triggers or behaviors that a client finds particularly problematic. So, um, I know that if someone is, um, if like you're extremely invested in something, and if you were to have a team member who was not invested, not caring, not doing their best, late, not interested, um, not engaged. That would be someone who wouldn't be that either that would that person would leave and not be not fit into your work dynamic or your um, even engage with you or that would person um, I don't think that person would upset you as much anymore. That person would probably leave, but before there would be like um probably a a reaction to that person um, before you had developed the awareness. But so I think what what I do is I listen to a few different stories that clients share with me about their experience, and then we kind of dissect it. And we look at what's the historical trigger. Where did that come from? What are some other actions that you could take? And I'll probably kick the tires a little bit on different perspectives. Is this person actually, is that how they are behaving? Do they really not care? Or is this person also acting from like a deeply historically traumatized place? And so I'll probably ask those questions and see if I can get any insight there. And then we'll come up with the course of action.
0: I could turn this into into three hours because I just keep writing notes about all these rabbit trails. We can go down as you're, as you're talking and it. What you just said takes me back a couple of years. I was in a, a, a marriage counseling session and, and the, the counselor said, why, why don't you just put your phones in a box at dinner? So you're not on them. <laughs> and, and I just had this moment and I, this is, I think, I think I've learned to speak or think before I, I speak, I said, why don't we talk about why we're on our phones? Would't that be more helpful than just putting our our phones there, understand what the problem what is the problem we're trying to solve, and what you just shared when you dig in with those questions it's not just like taking an aspirin to to temporarily remove the pain you're you're really understanding why is this pain there so that we can actually solve it so we don't have to take the aspirin every day
1: yes 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 i you know that is why I am in this industry coaching for me. Actually, coaching has been tremendously valuable. And of course, the other aspects of coaching, therapy, deeper trauma therapy around specific things, all of those tools, when I when I engage in those for myself, it's really for a shift probably closer to the fulcrum of who I am. How can I shift so that I have a different result, not just for the superficial result of more fulfillment and joy, which is a wonderful thing, so that I can have more inner peace? Because... Some of these things are really uncomfortable when we react to someone and you know it's more of an explosive reaction that is outside of how we want to conduct ourselves each day, that actually may feel out of integrity with who we are or who, who we would like to be. And so developing more of a capacity to be able to trust how we're going to react, choose our reactions, choose our responses. Um, it can equate to just more trust with our own engagement and more freedom to be who we are in the world and with our clients. And essentially do better work in whatever capacity that is. And like the bigger, big W work, having impact in the world.
0: So I want to talk about my team a little bit. I, I finally realized I can't fix them, that I don't need to hire you to go fix them so that my life is better. I hired you to work with my team because I, I see what it's done for me. And, and if they're going to be leading my people, I want my leaders to, to be self-aware, to lead themselves well, to understand why they make the decisions they do, how they communicate the way that they do. So you've been working with myself and my team. How have you seen that have an impact on my team and and my business with with that work holistically?
1: Interesting. When a company, like your your company, engages in coaching at the level of the leadership team, so all the executives in the company or the high-level leaders are receiving coaching, it changes the dynamic of kind of pointing the finger at someone else, um, whereas everyone is practicing being aware of their own liabilities in communication or um, their own responsibilities to the team and how particular ways of communicating or ways of kind of checking out or withdrawing when there's conflict or people-pleasing behaviors or failing to uh, have a direct conversation with someone about performance or whatever those things are, um, that... Every, everyone will be holding themselves to a level of responsibility for their own behavior. Because um, I think when you engage in coaching with someone, if you're an owner who is able to take responsibility and is practicing that, it sets a standard of we're all doing this work and we're all going to be responsible for our own reactions. And so um, it's it changes the conversations in that I rarely... I mean. rarely in my conversations are we talking about another person on the leadership team. And if we are, we may be talking about a particular action or a particular situation, and we're looking at how is that leader creating this um, situation? What is this leader not asking for that they need in order to be successful, right? Or more successful or bring more success to the team. So I think it's really interesting investing in leader in this kind of coaching, for your leadership team, because it, it really is, it allows me to address issues that the individual is having on the personal level and the business level, the business side, and also kind of talk to how they can be part of that circle of maintaining the integrity of that um, very special space that is the leadership team and how they can just make sure they're protecting that space as well.
0: And I don't want to name names here. But I want to talk about below the leadership team. You've had the chance to work with some of my other team members. We have what we call Fly, the future leaders of of YMC, where the, the, the team member isn't necessarily in a leadership position, but they want to get there. Talk about some of the the stories you've seen come out of that for someone who isn't a leader yet, but they're preparing themselves. I've seen amazing growth, but I would love from... From your perspective, investing in team members and growing them up as leaders, so you don't have to hire out. What are some of those stories you've seen from from those team members on YMC that you've worked with?
1: Wow, oh, um, you know it's interesting. I haven't really thought about this until this moment, but because there is a culture of um, inner of responsibility and the experience you all are having at the top level of coaching, when I am engaging with your future leaders of YMC the Fly team, and I just Worked with two people in the past week, the two, the, the cohort for 2023. It's amazing how at the first session, there's this willingness to be open about the process. And already we've had significant growth. Whereas I, I can pinpoint, I can say in, our, in the first session, you know, where are the liabilities? What are the things that are holding you back from your growth goals? What are the things that you're doing? And we can go right incisively to that place. So I know that that just makes my job easier as we're looking for the rest to toward the rest of the year and making those changes. Um, but very interesting. Two years ago, I was working with a cohort where we were looking at high level performance and um, areas where you could tweak, I could help tweak a, a person to, to focus on in that area of their zone of genius. And they were, you know, sometimes when I'm working with leaders or I should say future leaders, there's a confidence gap. Like there's a sense of, I know how to do this, but I I'm not extremely confident in how I communicate my skill set to the team or to the client. And so um, there was definitely support around um, emotional regulation, emotional management, how to comport yourself as a leader in an organization, how to, how to pause in your reaction time before having an emotional reaction. Also, um, how to really carve out your day to prioritize work in the, the most valuable offering that you have for your clients and the company. And so we were looking at, for one particular individual, um, really carving out the first 30 minutes to really focus on their zone of genius so that they can provide high-level work to the client. So um, that was really wonderful, and I saw big shift in that ter- person's ability to Trust themselves on, selves on the creative output and, and really prioritize the time for that and know how valuable that was for the company. And I think anytime you're investing in coaching in at the staff level, I think it sends the signal to the team that they are valuable and they're valuable to be invested in. And I think that's a really great message uh, to send to your, to send to your team when you're building leaders within the company and you're saying like, we are investing in your growth we want to see more from you and we're going to give you some tools that you can't look for look maybe learn in a book maybe you can but someone who's going to work with you to really identify how you can bridge the gap between where you are and where you want to be and where you'd like to be and where your goals are sitting
0: you know as you share all of this you know you've talked about my growth you've talked about my leadership team's growth some of the growth of of my team members it's not an easy process to walk through and i feel like your success in this is that you don't just walk your clients through this program that, that you've created. You've walked through this yourself. You've gone from being a, a successful chef to a this huge life change in, in what you're doing now. Talk a little bit about your journey, what you've learned through that and how that's how that's helped you work with folks like me and, and my team and, and your clients.
1: Yeah. Um, the chef work was incredibly wonderful. And that was a moving through that change of building a chef business. And we live in a I guess I should say, Bo, you live in New Orleans too, because you do have a place here. So, um, we live in a beautiful, um, city that has lots of wonderful food and a uh, chef driven city. But, um, there weren't a lot of private chefs when I was building my business. And, um, it was. Really rewarding work because I could be creative with food. And I could also, there was a whole sales aspect where I was really listening to the client and making sure that they were going to have the experience that they were imagining for their guests and their party. And I want, and I really learned about sales and um, building a business and connecting with a client and meeting their needs and listening to them and providing excellent customer service there. Um, but I always wanted to move to do this work, which was the work that helped me so much in my life bridge the gap from, you know, basically feeling um well, being dissociated and not feeling connected and really struggling with some of the dysfunction that um was coded into my nervous system growing up and in an early adulthood, um, and to having like a very fulfilling career of being able to support people to also experience success in their business and then also um, personal success, where they, you know, build at the build at the foundational level of their self-esteem and their business esteem and create changes there. Um, so my journey has been very interesting. In fact, I'm at a for me, at least, I'm, I'm kind of in a place right now where um, it reminds me of something that a woman who I've worked with, and I, I work with quite a few coaches, coaching has been it is still extremely valuable for me. And I, um, I was talking with her, this was like five years ago. And I was building my business. And we were talking and she said, I, I mentioned something to her about my vision. And she just very plainly stated, she said, you've, it sounds like, You've outgrown your vision, and your vision isn't big enough. And at the time, I was like, you know, earning—just to be frank here—earning more money than I ever, you know, believed that I could earn, and all of this stuff um, was coming to me. But I was feeling a little bit depressed, and it was because my life had exceeded what my blueprint was for my life. And so I had to do the work where I kind of stepped back and got clear on the vision of where I was going. And um, recently, that happened again. I was in a place for about, you know, six months to a year where I was looking at um you know everything that I was creating and the the clients I had, the business I'd built, the team I built, everything was wonderful. But um I kind of it kind of grew beyond the vision I'd had for um for my for, for for what things looked like and the amount of growth and the amount of service and the the value that I was providing to people and um you know it was a call to like Connect with a greater vision. And I think we all have to be doing that because growth actually feels great. So we're talking about feeling uncomfortable when you're moving through change, but growth actually feels awesome because you look back and you go, I, I basically invested in myself and here's the outcome. And the outcome is a whole new version of myself, like a, a new brand, a new, a new version of myself that is better, stronger, I can see it in the way people connect with me and react to me and all of those things. Um, so, you know, I'll, I'm just I'm kind of circling back. There's a big part of my own work that is about continuous focus on improvement, because that vision continues to expand. And the, the truth is the vision is really about the why that's connected to my purpose, which, which has to do with impact and changing lives and helping people transcend their own limitations, so they can have those experiences. And in order to do that, it absolutely requires me to focus on that own growth for myself, and I'm. Sure, I, I know you know that. In order to teach leaders to be leaders, you have to constantly be focusing on your own growth as a leader. I feel like the
0: conversation has come full circle, and you're speaking specifically to me right now. Because when we started this conversation, you said, "I remember you know when we talked at the end of end of the year, you said more of the same for 2023." Mm-hmm. Is my vision not big enough? Great, I think we've got. I think we've got an agenda for our next. Uh, one-on-one. Thank you. That was a awesome. punch right to me.
1: Yeah. It's it's interesting. Um, some of the work that I have loved doing is actually working with athletes. And um, I know we're going to be working with your team in person and be doing some of the work around uh, that I do with athletes, which, is, which puts them in their peak performance state, which is their best state when they know they have to, they have to manufacture within themselves certainty. So if they're like, Uncertainty, which we all have, and we've seen in the past year and a half with the pandemic, and also, you know, I work with a lot of people in the real estate world and the lending world, and there's, you know, that people have some fear around what things look like financially, right? And I know you've seen some of that, and of course, I know you address that with your with your clients and creating str- wonderful strategic plans and all of that. Um, but there's an aspect of kind of mining your body and your nervous system to show up with a a uh, level of certainty. And, um, the interesting thing about working with athletes is you have someone who has made a tremendous amount of money and their career is over at 26. And they can't, sometimes they can't imagine something more exciting than the, what they've accomplished at 26. And it creates a, a depression, sometimes addiction, all kinds of things that they struggle with. And so when I'm working with them, I, I it's almost like I have to find I have to help them find a goal that's bigger than what they have and what they are and big and will require them to shift in order to get it and it's often not money focused it doesn't have a dollar sign and that's why sometimes it can be confusing with this particular group of people where they may have been with several million dollars in their contracts and now they're Um, you know, focusing on a bigger goal that's an impact goal and it's actually a more fulfilling goal than the money. Um, so my job when someone is feeling, you know, like they are complacent and successful people can also be in a place of complacency because they're not in that stage of growth. And when we look at growth, you know, the reality is people are experiencing that there's a lot of discomfort, the frustration, and when we're complacent, we're not experiencing that we're experiencing a different kind of frustration, which has to do with boredom. Um, But having that person craft a vision that is going to require them to step into a newer version of themselves, a bigger version of themselves is actually very, very important to have a new vision in front of you. So um, yes, that idea of of outgrowing your vision, it's simple, but it's what it looks like is the blueprint of your life exceeds the vision you had for yourself. And many people I work with who've had trauma, who've had you know grew up with scarcity thinking, and this was true for me, right? I very quickly when I started earning money and building a vision um, outgrew the blueprint I had for my life, and that created actual depression when I started um, becoming more successful than I thought I could that was possible for me. And it was a shift of actually getting clear about letting go of an old story. There's that dishonesty and finding that compelling vision that excites me and doing the deep work. And I'll, I'll just say real quickly that the, the way that I create that space for myself, because for, with a client, you know, I can hold that space in a session for them. And I can also give them homework to write about it. But one of the ways I create that environment for myself is actually being alone and um, I will turn off the phone usually i'll go to a certain place, I will make sure the calendar is clear, and I will just start to ask the questions and i'll ask i'll start with the question of what is the thing that i that i'm not allowing myself to want? What is that thing? what is that experience you know and sometimes it's so silly it might be right at the tip of the prefrontal cortex. It might be right there. And yet it's like the thing I missed or the thing I I haven't looked at or the thing I haven't acknowledged. Um, So sometimes it's right. It's right there.
0: It's amazing. The lies we tell ourselves to, to either put ourselves in a comfortable place or, or to allow us to not become uncomfortable and, and grow and how harmful that can be.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know, this isn't a perfect, uh, acronym, but um, I have a friend who says denial stands for doesn 't even know i 'm lying and um, it 's true like we lie to ourselves sometimes because um, well our brains actually lie to us and um, tell us that we 're like in extreme danger uh, when we 're going to you know pitch a proposal that might make us a little uncomfortable, um, but our brains are, regu- are, are are there to keep us in our comfort zone, and so sometimes we have to withstand the the sweating and the nervousness and the fear and the you know um, whatever happens when we um, when we do an uncomfortable thing, but it's about getting quiet and listening. And I think once we are aware of that vision, it's then we kind of have a direct path because then we have here's the thing. Now we get to find. Now we get to either hire someone or research what the plan, the strategy is to get there. But we can't do it without a vision. And so the vision is the most important thing. And I know you've been doing a lot of work. With your team on visioning, and I just think that's awesome because having a having a strong vision and exciting vision is something that leaders really have to do like that's part of the role of being the leader it's that inspirer it's like breathing life into ideas and so um, leaders have to do that and it can be tremendously difficult to get to that place, especially if you know a leader is experiencing Burnout or stress or overwhelm or you know uncertainty, and so part of our work on Friday is going to be getting everyone to that place of being in their best, most resourceful state, so they can think clearly and think creatively and be open and receptive to change and growth.
0: You know, I, I feel like we keep coming full circle, and, and again, I, I keep writing notes down. My hope is that this is not the last time you're on the podcast because I've got about 18 more episodes I could pull out of these notes here that that I'm just screaming from the mountaintops. That I want to share with people. So any final thoughts before we, we start wrapping up uh, episode 10?
1: Well, I would like to just say one thing that, um, that I have noticed one final change in you um, is that when I first met you, I would have said you were on the quiet side, maybe shy. And that's probably wrong uh, when I first met you, but um, that is even how I perceived you to be in the, in like our first meeting. And Now, when I interact with you, just listening to you on this podcast, like you're incredibly funny and engaging. And there's like this spontaneous generation of warmth that you have that is just so awesome. And, um, you know, to me, that is not evidence of having a poor read on you in the beginning. It's evidence of like actual, uh, a real shift in, in, in who you are and really how you're felt and how you're perceived. And I think that that is just awesome. So um, yeah, I would love to come again on this podcast. This has been really fun and the questions have been great. And I thank you so much for having me.
0: So Mary Jane, before you go, your website, yes. if people want to find you, if if, if they're feeling this and, and they're like, man, I, I I want what y'all are talking about, where, where can folks find you at?
1: They can find me at www.maryjanewalshthrive.com. And yeah, that is me.
0: Mary Jane. It's been a pleasure.
1: Thank you so much, Beau.
0: Thank you. Totally uncomfortable, but I've learned the benefits of being vulnerable and and sharing some of my story always leads to someone else making positive decisions. When when they know they're not alone as a leader, when when you say, gosh, I'm dealing with this thing, no one understands. Do we do all of us other accidental leaders? We do. Mary Jane Walsh, my business life and coach on today's episode of The Accidental Leader. Thanks so much for joining us. For more resources and to listen to past Accidental Leader podcast episodes, visit TheAccidentalLeader.com, courtesy of our sponsors, your marketing company, and Uncommon.